Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Glory to God. Many years ago in Bible school, Pastor John Osteen taught us that a believer, a person following the Lord, needs information in several areas, but the predominant areas are these, who you are, what you have, what you can do in Christ, and then the concept of faith that helps make application of these things to our everyday life. We just finished studying redemption, and through that we realize and understand that this great provision that God paid a tremendous price for has been laid up for every person. Every person on the planet that will dare to believe it. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Did you know God's not going to save anybody? He's already saved everybody. But it's not until a person recognizes and receives it that it becomes relevant. You say, well, does that mean everybody goes to heaven? No. Not to receive it is to reject it. And actually, that is the only sin that's unpardonable is the rejection of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can live your whole life out and be just the greatest person and, 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 and do good things and be benevolent and take care of homeless people and just do wonderful things, be good to your family, send all your kids to college, and you can die and go straight to hell. And you can live the worst life on the planet. Just live a reprobate's life and end up in the penitentiary with a death sentence. And the day before you die, give your heart, bow your knee to Jesus, and wake up in heaven. You say, well, I don't understand that. Well, that's how grace operates. Remember, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. You don't go to heaven or hell for what you do or don't do. It's because of who you are. Thank God the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. So because of that, there are rights and privileges. Everybody say rights and privileges. They belong to you. And I'm telling you, if they belong to you, you ought to walk in them. Healing belongs to you. Righteousness, right standing with God, belongs to you. Peace belongs to you. Joy belongs to you. Prosperity belongs to you. God's not going to do it for you. He's already done it and laid it up for us. Faith taps into it. That's why faith is so important to understand and know. I've been teaching on faith now for almost 30 years. I've lived by faith for that long. I'm telling you, God has tremendously blessed me. People say, well, you must have been busy working, earning all your stuff. No, we didn't earn anything. We believed. Everybody say believed. We believed God. We appropriated by faith all that. I remember Leah, she owned her own business, and that was half of our income. Half of her inco- our income was, was her salary she made in her business. And then the other half came from our ministry and our travels. And uh, uh, I remember the Lord began to deal with her about 95 Maybe, maybe a little bit into 94, but 95, and right into 96, in January of 96, she left and got rid of her business and came over into the ministry full-time with me. And I want you to know, it was like you turned on the switch financially. Uh, literally, our finances doubled in a year. You say, how? Believe God. Believe God. Our bodies have been attacked by the enemy several times during our marriage, and we've stood and believed. I remember when I, Lee and I first got married, every year, right around Christmas time, the enemy would attack Leah with literally emergency room debilitating sore throat, strep throat, sore throat, sinuses. Several years in a row, we just had to take her to the emergency room. 
get her fixed. <laughs> amen. Thank God for doctors. But she just got, she got fed up with it. Amen. She began to stand on the Word of God. She began to quote them scriptures. She began to stand in faith. And it's been, I guess, 15 years or more, 20 years that she's ever had any problems with that whatsoever. Amen. Devil tried to attack my body with malaria. And I guarantee you, I stood and believed God and stood and believed God. I did a little research on the, on the cure and found out the cure was worse than the disease. Sometimes that's the way it is. They give you a particular drug to, to take the, it takes the malaria out of your blood, but it destroys your liver. Well, I need my liver. Everybody say, I need my liver. Amen. I need my liver. So I thought, well, praise God. The Lord spoke to me and said, stand in faith. And I'll never forget those months, September. That thing hit me when I got back from, from Europe. I'd been in Haiti. That's where it attacked me was in Haiti. I'd been in Europe ministering. It hit me in September, October, November, December, January. I tell you, I thought I was going to die. And over in Hawaii, I'll never forget. The Lord spoke to me. <laughs> These great words of wisdom. Healed men go surfing. I got invited to go on a surfing trip with some of my friends over there, and I was going to decline, and as I was talking on the front, uh, Brother Clement Goo, i never forget Brother Clement, I, the Lord just spoke to me, just like, just like he was on the other, other phone, and said, healed men, go, and I went surfing, came back to the hotel, the Sheraton Makaha on the west side of the island of Oahu, and felt like I was going to die, rolled up, in the, rolled up in the covers, went to sleep about four in the afternoon, woke up the next morning with not a symptom in my body. Hadn't had, that was in 1994. Hadn't had one since. Provision laid up for us in Christ. How do you get it? By faith. Everybody say, by faith. Now, Romans chapter 1, let's look at something. We're going to go to several scriptures this morning because I'm going to begin another series on faith. Well, we're just, I tell you, we do this every year. We study the subject of faith. Verse 16, Romans chapter 1. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Galveston. Amen. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now notice what it says, I'm not ashamed. Listen, what you're ashamed of will not work for you. There are people today, Christians, ashamed of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, ashamed of God's healing power, ashamed of the message of prosperity and blessing. Well, it's not going to work for you. What you're ashamed of won't work for you. So don't be ashamed. Notice what he says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. See, that's been one of the devil's greatest strategies ever since Jesus rose from the dead, trying to get the power of God out of the church. He thought, if I can just get the power of God, what do, we, what do we have without power? Cold, dead religion. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do. If there ain't no power in the church, and the greatest power is the power to transform. To see people come forward and get saved and, and touched by the power of God and, and go from, from, from death to life and darkness to light and begin to serve God and to see the power of the devil broken over. That's the greatest miracle anyone will ever receive, salvation. Everything else is on a lesser level. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't receive it. So Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now go to Galatians real quick. Should have been just a few, few, few pages over, right before you get to Ephesians. Look at Galatians. Here it's speaking of Abraham. The Bible calls him the father of faith. Galatians chapter 3. Look there in verse... Look there in verse 8. 
It says in the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Everybody say through faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Saying in thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And as many as are of the works of the law. are For as many as are under the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But the man that is justified by the law, excuse me, but no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Now he's talking about the law that God gave Moses. God preached the gospel to Abraham. Abraham knew that there would be a family that would come out of him, a nation that would come out of him, knew that there would be a righteous seed that would redeem us. Now, the law was given to Moses and the children of Israel. The law revealed sin to man. And living by it did not impart righteousness. The just still had to live by faith. What the law did was to give them a criteria to serve God by so that they could die in faith believing they would receive the promise. Are you with me? Now, the writer Paul here in Galatians shows us again the second time. Everybody say it with me. The just, or those that's been justified, shall live. Everybody say shall live. By faith. Now, go to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10, look there in verse, let me get over there. Look at verse 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he shall come, he that shall come will come and not tarry. Now notice verse 30, uh, 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Three times. Now I believe, I may be mistaken, I'll have to go look at my notes. Seven other times, not only this, that means ten times, seven other times in the Bible. It says, more than any other phrase quoted in the Bible, it says this. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Even under the old covenant, they had to live by faith in that covenant. The just shall live by faith. David slew Goliath by faith. Amen. Solomon reigned in wisdom by faith. Are you with me? So we must understand that this this faith thing is something that God requires of us in order to appropriate that which God has provided for us. Now, the devil has been a master at reducing faith to a generic term. Now, if you've ever talked to somebody, I've have a, had occasion over the years, especially when I travel a lot, to sit down in a restaurant or a hotel or on an airplane and strike up a conversation. And, you know, because I'm a minister or a preacher, but not only because of that, but because I'm a believer. I would always try to steer the conversation around to the Lord. People would say, well, why, why are you going here? Well, I'm going to preach. Are you a preacher? Yeah, and so, you know. And it would always amaze me, it's probably happened to some of you, that in that time of speaking with somebody or talking to me, after speaking with them for just about five to ten minutes, they look at me kind of puzzled and say to me, of what faith are you? Have you ever heard that term? 
of what? Now they're asking the question of this. How do you believe? Are you of the, are you of the Pentecostal faith? Are you of the Baptist faith, the Methodist, the Lutheran, the Episcopal, the Catholic? They, they've kind of reduced faith down to this generic label. That this generic label would be, quote, your faith. It has nothing to do with faith. Being Pentecostal, being word of faith, being charismatic, being Baptist, being Lutheran, being Presbyterian. Listen, it has nothing to do with faith. Because you can be charismatic with no faith and you're in trouble. You can be word of faith with no faith and be in trouble. You can be Pentecostal with no faith and be in trouble. You can be Baptist with no faith and be in trouble. You can be Lutheran with no faith. Are you getting the getting the But you can be Lutheran with faith and be an overcomer. You can be a Baptist with faith and be an overcomer. You can be a charismatic with faith and be an overcomer. So it's not the label. I remember what one old full gospel businessman we used to, Casey Jones over in Beaumont, used to say this all the time. He says, the label that you put on yourself, he says, when you go up, it just falls off. He says, when you go down, it just burns off. <laughs> so God requires faith of his children. Now, if God requires faith of us and did not give us information that showed us what faith was, how to operate in it, how to grow in it, then he'd be an unjust God and then none of us should serve him. But God is a just God. And he's filled his word full of faith. So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So he's filled the word full of faith. So the more words you get into, the more faith you get into your heart. But you must understand the concepts, the precepts and principles and walk by them. And if you'll do that, I guarantee you here on this earth, you will live an overcoming life and you will not live below your rights and privileges. You will live in the rights and privileges God has provided for you in Christ. Now, since we're in Hebrews, let's just flip over into Hebrews 11 real quick because there's one point we're going to begin with today. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now notice verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of, of them that diligently seek him. Now, here's the question. Well, pastor, what about worship? Without faith, you can't worship. Amen. Pastor, what about prayer? Without faith, you can't pray. Well, what, what about winning souls? Without faith, you, there's nothing you can do in the, quote, kingdom that you, that you can do. You have to have faith to do it. Amen. But now I want you to go back up to verse 3. Here's where I want to want to kind of zero in today. It says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made 
of things which do appear. Now, go, go with me to Luke's gospel real quick. Luke's gospel, chapter 24. This is after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had appeared unto two on the road to Emmaus. After that, he appeared unto his disciples. And I can sense a frustration in Jesus in his ministering to and teaching the disciples who were to become apostles, who were to carry on his ministry in the earth. Now notice what it says. And he said unto them, there in verse 44, he said unto them, these are the words. Everybody say words. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Now, if you study the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see that there's an enormous amount of teaching and preaching that Jesus did that came right out of the Old Covenant. He did not come to cancel it. He came to fulfill it. And in fulfilling it, God was able, as the Bible says, was able to fold it up and place it away and bring in a New Testament of grace in which we now live. In their covenant, they lived by law, faith in the law. In ours, it's faith in Christ, our faith in God. They believed what he would do. We believe what he has done. Are you with me? But now notice, this is interesting. It says in verse 45, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Now here's our problem. Here's we're going to get in this for just a few minutes and then we'll, we'll go eat some good Mexican food. Amen. We know that we are made up of three different components. The real you. The Bible calls the hidden man of the heart. The spirit man. We are spirit. Everybody say, I am a spirit. Now you possess a soul. Everybody say, soul. And you live in a body. Everybody say, a body. Now each and every one of these three things, there are things that cause them to function and operate. Your physical body. If you shut down on your physical body, you quit eating, you quit drinking, it wouldn't be long. Your body would give it up. You'd die. Amen. The body runs by its appetites. Its appetites must be fed. You need food. You need water. You need sleep. Are you with me? Now your mind, your soul is made up of your mind, your emotions, and your will. Your mind is intellectual. All of us have a carnal mind. The Bible says of our mind, it is an enmity or an enemy of God. Therefore, according to Romans chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, we must constantly, by the Word of God, renew our mind. That's why it's important to read the Bible every day, meditate on the Word of God, memorize the Word of God, and come have the Word of God taught to you. Are you with me? Because your intellect does not accept it. Now, the reason your intellect does not accept the Word of God is because the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God cannot be explained. Are you with me? You say, what do you mean, Pastor? I cannot give you explanations as a, quote, educator, as a teacher, as one that stands up here and proclaims and teaches the Word of God. I cannot give you an explanation of what I teach on that will satisfy your intellect. Let me help you. Intellectually, how many have ever studied math? Our simplest math question, 1 plus 1 equals 2. If I had a chalkboard, I could write a one, and then I could put a plus sign, and I could put another one, and I could put an equal sign, and I could put a two, and I could say, does everybody see that? Does everybody get that? And everybody would get it, because you could see it. 
you could see that 1 plus 1 equals 2. Your intellect does not challenge it. Your intellect accepts it. Now, if I were to put up on the same chalkboard, 1 plus 1 equals 10,000. Now, your intellect's going, wait a minute. I was taught, I was conditioned through repetition, because that's how we're conditioned, through repetition. I was conditioned through repetition that it was explained to me that 1 plus 1 equals 2. But the Bible says 1 can put 1,000 to flight and 2 can put... You say, well, explain that to me. Can't do it. So here's these disciples. Jesus had been speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word. Three and a half years of miracle ministry. The words that I say are not my own. The works that I do, they're not my own. They're my Father's that's in heaven. He's speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word. And they're all kind of going, what is he talking about? I mean, there was at one time over, uh, where is it, John chapter 6 and 7, where he's talking about different things, and they're talking about the kingdom of God, and the Pharisees are challenging him. Our fathers ate manna in the heaven, uh, ate, ate manna in the wilderness, and Jesus said, you don't even know what you're talking about. Begin to talk about himself being the true bread of life. And finally, the Bible says, they begin to leave him, and he looked at his disciples and says, what about you? And they kind of went like this. We really don't know what you're talking about, but we know that you have the words of life. He could not explain himself. He could not explain three days and three nights in the bowels of the earth. He could not explain the cross. He could not explain it, now listen to me, to the satisfaction of the intellectual mind. And you cannot explain faith to the satisfaction of the intellectual mind. You have to receive it by what's in your spirit, which is understanding. Now, let me draw you a little parallel. And so we want to keep it simple so we don't get too far ahead of ourselves so everybody will get this. Understanding to the spirit is what explanation is to the intellect. Let me say that again. Understanding to the spirit is what, well, is what uh, explanation is to the intellect. I do not need to be explained. It does not need to be explained to me how when we lay hands on people, they get healed. All I need to know is this. By his stripes, you're healed. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Come up with the word, understand. That's why Ephesians chapter 1, that great prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 17, uh, that the God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation the knowledge of him, the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. So, years ago, before we uh, began Island Church, I traveled all over the world. Flew on every kind of airplane you could think of. Flew a helicopter. Flew all kinds of stuff. Now, I was very limited in my knowledge of flying. Amen. I kind of told the early crowd this morning, you know, the, 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 the predominant plane we used back then to fly to Europe in was a, a Delta L1011. Now, if you put me in, a, in the cockpit of a Delta L1011 and said, start it, I couldn't start it. How many of you could start, start a Delta? There might be one or two, but how many in here say, I could start a Delta L10? I could start it. You know what I mean by starting? Turn the motor on. That's what I would look for. I'd look for a key and something to press my foot on. 
Amen. But now, just, just, just in that region alone, I went to uh, that area of Europe, which would be uh, North and South Ireland, uh, England, Wales, and Scotland, and also, uh, where else, Finland, 38 times in a 12-year period. So that's a lot of flying. That's 38 times there, 38 times back. So the process began. We had offices over in Lamarck. The process begins. Many times Roland uh, would make a phone call to Delta. Uh, they would have information from over there. They would know I was supposed to be in, in Dublin during this, these days and in Athlone during these days and in Dundalk during these days and Galway's during these days and all these different cities and stuff. So they would fix for me an itinerary and they called up Delta Airlines. And then eventually I'd walk into the office and, and, and Roland would hand me an itinerary. And with that itinerary would be usually uh, kind of a rectangle shape, uh, 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 three or four pieces of paper with actually three of them being the same thing, a ticket. Everybody say a ticket. On that ticket was a very limited amount of information. We would actually fly from Hobby Airport to Atlanta, Georgia. We would leave Atlanta, Georgia at around 9 o'clock at night, fly up the eastern seaboard of the United States, across the North Atlantic, and into Dublin, arriving in Dublin, Ireland about 7 in the morning. Now, this particular flight, this is when I begin to get this in my spirit, begin to see this in my heart. This particular flight had a, had a board or the pilot on board. This was his retirement flight. At, at age 60, Delta, Airline, Delta Airlines retired their pilots, which I thought was crazy. This guy looked like, you know, he should have been flying for another 20 years. He had flown that particular route for 22 years. That's a long time. So he's got a lot of experience. Now, in order to have an intellectual explanation of what was going to take place on the flight from Houston to Atlanta, Atlanta to Dublin, I would need an enormous amount of education. Who knows that stuff? Well, the engineers, the inventors. You go all the way back to the Wright brothers who invented the airplane. Probably the, uh, the pilot. They know about thrust. They know about lift. They know about the communication system of the airplane. They know about the, uh, how to... I could, if they got me up there and handed me the, the wheel, I couldn't find Dublin. I couldn't find Atlanta. If I had to find Atlanta, I'd have to fly low enough to see license plates on cars. <laughs> Which might not be too safe. Amen. So my explanation is very limited. So here I've got this ticket. And on this ticket, I start looking at the information. It is explained to me by the ticket. It is explained to me by the ticket. Go to Hobby Airport. So go to Hobby. That's easy. Go to the Delta desk. That means don't go to Southwest. Don't go to Northwest. Go to Delta. So I go to the Delta desk. They assign me a seat, 7B. We were blessed after about 10 or 11 trips. We gathered so many frequent flyer miles, we were able to fly first class. So they put me in... 3B on the, on the next flight in Atlanta. I'd go to Atlanta. I'd arrive at the, at the domestic uh, uh, terminal. I'd have to go down the stairs. I'd get on a little tram. And I'd go. How many been in that big Atlanta airport? And I'd go all the way around to the international concourse. In the international concourse, I'd get in. And I'd know. Don't go to Lufthansa. Don't go to British Airways. Go to Delta. I'd go to Delta. A lady would be standing there. I'd hand her my ticket. She'd say, okay, go sit now in seat 3B. All right? So here's my information. Hobby, Delta, 3B. Hobby, Delta, 3B. That's it. That's it. Hobby, Delta, 3B. Now, if that was not enough, if I were to say, well, you know, 
I don't know, man. What does one of those airliners weigh? Like 30, ton, 30 tons of metal? Six and a half, seven hours in the air? Where is Dublin anyway? And how do you find it? So I run up to the, you know, the pilots are in there doing their checklist and, all, and I start banging on the door. They open the door. Yes, can I help you? I'm sitting back here in 3B and I want to know just how are we going to get to Dublin? How does this thing work? How in the world are you going to find it? And I could start coming up with a whole bunch of questions about how in the world. But then I have to enter into a realm of, now this is human faith. I have to have some faith in the, in the tool, in the piece of equipment. Amen. Now, if one crashed every other day, <laughs> or the pilot. I remember one time we were flying to a crusade in, 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 in uh, Raya, Honduras, right on the Rio Coco River on the border between Nicaragua and Honduras. And we were doing a crusade down there right at the end of the, of the Nicaraguan War. And so when we got to the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the airport, we flew in there on this plane. And, and I noticed as we, as we flew in there, there was this Piper Cub tipped up like this. It looked like, I thought it was a wreck. I thought somebody wrecked their plane, just left it there over the years. That's what it looked like. And so when we arrived there, they went and got that plane. Three guys got on the tail and pulled it down. Pushed it over there. Now, check this out. This will help your faith. Went and got a five-gallon drum in which they had taken, you know, the spigot at your house that you put your garden hose on? They had put one of those in a five-gallon drum. They filled it with fuel. They brought it to the air, airplane where you put the fuel in and stretched a pantyhose. A guy held a pantyhose over where you put the fuel and fueled the plane. I looked in the window and all of the, all of the, uh, all of the instruments were broken. And then the pilot explained this to me. You don't want to fly with a pilot that has not crashed or a plane that has not crashed. And I understood it when they flew over the treetops that, you know, you want somebody with some experience. But back to going to Europe. Here I am, begging for an explanation. How does this work? What does that button say? What do you do with that? How do, you know what he's going to tell me? Here's what he's going to tell me. Shut up. <laughs> then he's going to ask me one question. Do you have a ticket? Yes, sir. What does your ticket say? Hobby. Atlanta Hartsfield, Delta, 3B. That's all it says? That's all it says. So if you will do that, if you will just do that, if you will just do that, I can get you to Dublin, Ireland. And here's the thing. That guy with all of his experience, 22 years flying the same route, when he arrived in Dublin, Ireland, guess who arrived about 20 feet behind him? He knew everything about how to fly it, he knew the avionics. He knew the communication system. He knew how to find Dublin. You know what I knew? 3B. I had to have an understanding. The explanation wasn't going to help me. I couldn't listen. With just a limited explanation and then an understanding, I enjoyed the full benefit of airline flight. You say, well, how is that relevant today? Here's your ticket right here. What's it say on your ticket? What's it say on, my God will supply all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Explain that, pastor. 
shut up, sit down. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I got a question. I can't answer it. By faith. I like that one in, 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 in Hebrews 11.3. By faith we what? Understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that we know that the things that do appear came from that which does not appear. Explain that. You can't explain it. So many people struggle in faith. Because they refuse to live by their spirit. Their intellect talks them out of everything that God says they have. They say, well, Pastor, I just, I just, my mind is just going crazy. Just going. I had somebody, this was over on 45th Street. They walked up to me after service one day. And I said, you're preaching confused me. I said, no, you came in here confused. <laughs> I said, my preaching just turned the light on your confusion. Now you know you're confused. That's the fight between the intellect of man, his mind. The Bible says that it's enmity with God. No, by faith we understand. And all of the explanation of what God has done in the realms of time and in the spirit realm through redemption. Thank God he's done it, but we don't need a detailed explanation that's going to satisfy the intellect. All we need is an understanding. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Period. That's your ticket right there to heaven. Say, can't you explain it any further? Why? If we can enjoy the full benefits of what God has provided for us with just the simplicity. That's why so many people have got so messed up spiritually is because they start out in the spirit and end up in the mind. But see, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And God gave us not only a reason to believe, but he gave us Jesus. The Bible says he's what? The author and the finisher of our faith. And when you understand that Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith, he is, he is not the result of your faith. He is the object of your faith. You say, what do you mean? Everything in the word turns you to him. Everything you see in him because he is your all in all your salvation your healing your prosperity your deliverance the word salvation sotos in the Greek healing prosperity soundness safety deliverance well I thought when we get to heaven we'd get all that what need do you have of it in heaven there's no sickness in heaven there's no death in heaven there's no lack in heaven there's none of that in heaven you need it down here on the earth where we're fighting against the kingdom of darkness where we're establishing the kingdom of God and seeing the kingdom of heaven come into manifestation. By faith, we understand. You say, well, Pastor, I've just been wrestling and wrestling and wrestling in my mind with all this stuff. Here's what you do. You just pray and you take the word of God for what it says. Just that's your ticket right there. That's your redemption coupon. <laughs> that's a good word for it. It belongs to you. We're going to study next week. We're actually... Amplified says of, of, of faith, it is your title deed. And if you can find a title deed to anything with your name on it, it's legally yours. Isn't that good? Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we bless your name. We glorify you this morning. Thank you for the simplicity of your word. That by faith we can understand.
And that that understanding can carry us through the trials of life. That understanding can cause blessing to come to us. That understanding can cause healing to manifest in our body. And that understanding, Father, draws us closer and closer to the one that loves us so much. We thank you for that, Father. We receive it in Jesus' name. Everyone says, every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around but me just for a moment. Let me ask you this question. Are you right with God this morning? You're living right. You're doing right. If something were to happen today, would you know that heaven were your home? You say, Pastor, I'm not. I, I need to be right with God this morning. Please pray with me. If there's anybody like that at all, I want to. I want to pray with you. I want you to know that you're right with God. So if you're here today, you say, that's me, Pastor. Lift your hand up high. Anyone at all? I see one hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? You say, that's me, Pastor. I need to be right with God. You can put it down once you've raised it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. I'm going to look one more time. You don't have to raise your hand a second time. But if that's you, you say, Pastor, please pray with me. I want to know. I want to know. I want to understand that I'm right with God this morning. That I'm saved. That Jesus is my Lord. That heaven is my home. Anyone else? Real quick. One has raised their hand. Anyone else? Real quick. Help me, ushers. Praise God. Everybody look this way. That one that raised their hand. Come on down, sweetheart. Let me pray with you. Stand on your feet real quick. Give her a big hand clap as she comes. Hallelujah. Let's pray together, okay? Out loud. So you can roll your Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services. Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 730. Thursday evening, midweek service, 730. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.